What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to another exciting episode. Welcome this, back. This time we decide we're going to talk about a background, and of course, as usual, we held a poll on our social media. The choices this time were among the noble classes of the various nations of Thetis. Yep. Wanted to find out which kind of fancy pants you wanted to try being, and uh, turns out magic fancy pants are the best fancy it's pants true. to you guys. The winning vote went to Tevinter Altus, which practically eclipsed everything else. Yeah, there were a decent number of notes for, or, uh, votes for Vereldin Noble, but... Uh, Imagine folk, a lot of folks enjoyed playing a noble in Dragon Age Origins. I mean, I know I did. Or Inquisition, for that matter. And then, and but, I guess uh, eventually in Dragon Age 2, but... Looks like that highborn dwarf is not getting a whole lot of love. Sorry, dear. Uh, I know. that was You were, you were and, rooting for it. <laughs> Andy and I were both rooting for it. That was Andy's vote. Thanks, brother. Oh, well. I'm excited about the Tevinter Altus. I think this is going <laughs> to be great. It's still cool to talk about. There's lots to talk about for it. Um, but we are going to go ahead and start uh, getting into the stuff we've already got uh, at the top of the docket. Um, of course, we got no news this week in Thetis, I'm afraid. Not much to talk about just yet. Still waiting for more confirmations on Faces of Thetis coming out later. Yep. We know that the final confirmations have been made and... Before Michael Laidlaw left Bioware, he made some final uh, adjustments to draw to the to the uh, to the book, and they have to make those final adjustments and do formatting, and of course send it all to the printers instead of pre-orders. Yep. When but... we know, you'll know. Correct, it's true. Uh, I guess the only news we would mention is that of course Aethercon is happening this this coming weekend. It is indeed. Mm -hmm. We're kind of dating the episode, but. Um, I mean, if you wanted to come join us at AetherCon, I'll be running a couple games. One of them, unfortunately, got canceled just because we only had one player in it. Aww. And uh, they start culling uh, games that get, like, zero or one players That's uh, sad. up to this point. There are a number yeah. of people who would like to play at a table of yours. Mm -hmm. and... It was it was one person. Yeah, well, I mean, so, like, hopefully, in real life. Yeah, yeah it is kind of to be a bit of a I, lineup. I really hope that they were able to get into another one of the games. Because I think there was still room in a couple of them. But, uh, if you plan to come to AetherCon, I'll also be run we'll be running some panels, mm -hmm. and we'll, and see, I'll be running some games, and we'll hope, and maybe even try playing a game or two. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I'll probably be a little bit busy, short of the panels that I'll be moderating. Right, you got stuff to do. I do. I have this whole, like, you know, other life thing of... <laughs> Having friends. Well, friends, and GRE prep, and... Well, yeah, that's right. All sorts of nonsense. Oh, and prepping for Thanksgiving, which, uh, oh, man. for those of you who are also American listeners, is coming up. Mm-hmm. We got, what, I think probably like three Thanksgivings to coordinate. Three or four, <laughs> if you count, least. uh, your grandmother-in-law, not-in-law, your step-grandmother. It's true. Oh, so. geez, man. Yeah, so a, like four Thanksgivings we gotta work with here. Busy, busy time for us. Yeah. So, we should, uh, for the moment, let's busy ourselves by consulting that codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We have a couple of good questions this time, all from repeat question and answers. Mm -hmm. Askers. Askers, thank you. We're the repeat question and answers around Answerers. here. Answerers. Answerers. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So, 
First question comes from our fa- our good friend Andy Klosky. Still working through that backlog, Andy, but they're all good questions. I don't know what we would do without that backlog of questions. <laughs> I feel like we would just have way less to talk about. We would have less to talk about. But we have gotten a couple contributions from some other folks. Oh, yes. Not uh, to diminish the not, wonderful contributions we get correct. from others. Just saying. Andy yes. Andy is one of those who comes through in the clutch for us. Just He's just there for us. Anyway, uh, Andy, your question was, what recommendations would you have in terms of using a mage's harrowing at the table? Is this a process that you prefer to roleplay through, or should it be a part of a mage's background character creation? How might you utilize the demonic temptation involved during a harrowing? I like this question. Harrowing is such a really important part of uh, anybody who's a circle mage or a mage that even touches the circle. Mm-hmm. Like, even, I'm not a circle mage background, even I ended up having a harrowing. <laughs> it's true. I didn't want one, but... They figured that, you know, if you could best a demon, then you uh, you were in control of your, your gifts. Yeah, there were complications, though. But, I think, uh, honestly, in most cases... The harrowing would probably be something that you would want to have in the background. Mm-hmm. Unless everybody's a circle mage. Right. Exactly. The background kind of is written assuming that you've already taken your harrowing. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. But, as you said, it it's sometimes best to be left in the background. It, kind of, it depends on the campaign. Mm-hmm. If you're the only circle mage in your group um, and you're going to take a session to play out this harrowing and figure out how it goes and then go to meet the other player characters, then that's sh- that that can be done. That would have to be something that would be done like one-on-one between just the GM and the player just as like mm-hmm. an introductory scene to Could get them involved in the campaign. Could be a good session, like 0. .5. Yeah, a good session 0. 0.5 for that particular player. Like I did with uh, our Dragon Age campaign is we kind of had like little origin story openings just mm-hmm. to get everybody involved. But... Unless everybody else is also going to be a circle mage and have their own harrowings, it can, and you do it at the table when everybody's at the table, it can take away from everybody else's time. They have to watch this person have the cool fate adventure and they get to wait wait for their turn to do cool stuff. Yeah. The way we did it, it was fairly short. Yes. Because we did manage to do it successfully, but Mm -hmm. the uh, harrowing itself was very short and in the meantime we had another character having to deal with an advanced test to sneak into, uh, what's it called? Sneak into the, the repository with the phylacteries, wasn't yes, it? Yes, and uh, replace my blood with hers. And <laughs> yep. We did some very illegal things that day. Oh, well, yeah. It was, the Templars would have a, have a conniption if they found out what exactly transpired that day, so we won't talk about it. No, yeah, it, was, it was fine. Everything is fine. But, um, this can be a cool thing to do if all the PCs are circle mages, and although it's perhaps debatable whether or not uh, a single circle will have multiple uh, mages doing a harrowing at once. That is the difficulty. Because that would mean that there's multiple chances of demonic possession all at once. Yeah, I doubt they would want to deal with, like, four abominations at the same time. That sounds like a thing that would suck. It would have to be done, it could be done, like, in an in-media res kind of thing, like, a multiple day montage of uh, you of the GM like jump cutting back and forth between harrowings between uh, with the with the various PCs, but it would have to that would even then that's that's still a bit of an undertaking that would have to be done delicately. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just kind of comes down to the basic like, if is this gonna make your story more like interesting? Is this gonna bring depth to your characters without alienating too many characters for too long? If it meets those criteria and throw it in absolutely 
He was, oh, and the temptation aspect can be extremely cool. It oh, can definitely. be, uh, if you've got the time and you've already set that up so that you're going to do this to this particular character, can be an excellent way to showcase a character's strengths and weaknesses or mm-hmm. even define them out as you're talking to the demon. Like, Yeah, definitely. Great, great uh, character development possibilities there. Oh, totally. Can, uh, um, if you're not going to play the harrowing out in roleplay, then at the same time it would still be a good idea to have an idea of what happened. Yes. So GMs and PCs should work through what exactly took place in the harrowing, like what kind of demon came for them can uh, inform a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of people were the Templars who were standing in the waking world, perhaps excited for you to go and turn into an abomination so they could fulfill their holy duty to the maker and strike down an abomination, you know. That may help color your perceptions of the circle of magi, because for a lot of mages, the harrowing, which has been kept secret from them this whole time, is a bit of a breaking point. A lot of mages, when they go through that harrowing, just have cemented for them, if they didn't already... A powerful hate, a powerful dislike of the circle and the Templars who are stand, who are around them. Yep. So use it for those reasons if you yes. can find a way to fit it in. Correct. I think it's cool. It should be done with care, but it can be done very well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we've answered your question. Thanks, Andy. So, uh, also from uh, returning question asker Ben Hoffaker through our email. I hope What's I'm up, saying it right. Uh, but Ben's question was. How does one deal with the inevitability and permanence of death in Dragon Age? How does it change the game tone and story compared to D anD D or fantasy edition, or fantasy age? What is your favorite? What if your favorite character dies? How do you deal with the loss? Do you make shrines to fallen heroes? That is a good question. Death um, is far more likely in the Dragon Age world. It's true. Far more expected and far more permanent than in most other places. Yes, there is no resurrection in Dragon Age. We've been very fortunate in our main in our main campaign that yes. we've only had one character death, and that was uh, <laughs> that was well. The player was totally cool with it because they, she thought it was absolutely in character for her to die that way. I mean, most people you expect to die in a combat <laughs> or something, not Fight a valerium right. overdose in a Ferelden alleyway. Fucking alley. And yet, she got a bad hit. She got a bad hit. That's how she died. So we, we didn't do a whole lot of shrines for that. We mostly yeah. just laughed about it. Everyone just kind of laughed and the other pieces were and, like, I wonder where they went. And then the, the uh, player made a new character. And it was super cool. Super cool. Absolutely awesome. But uh, that's the only, we, we've been very fortunate that we have, that's the only brush with death that we've actually, character death that we've had. Mm-hmm. We've had some... Close calls. Some really <laughs> close calls. But I think that the very real danger of death in Dragon Age, it, I mean, it, it only helps. This is a dark mm-hmm. fantasy role-playing game. It, this is a dark fantasy world. There should there's There is no coming back from death. Yeah. Once you're gone, and, that's it. You know, having someone who can do healing magic can help reduce the chances of yes, death. But it but does not guarantee Not by a long die. shot. Fantasy Age has a method of bringing someone back. Even that one is pretty limited because it only yeah, gives you... Yeah, first few minutes. Yeah, right? you get two minutes to bring someone back. And if it's been longer than two minutes, they're too far gone. Unless you're, like, super special. Unless you're super special. Um, but in, in uh, Dungeons and for Dungeons and Dragons and games like Pathfinder, it is just a it's very... It's an inconvenience. Ex- it's a very expensive inconvenience for higher-level characters. But uh, I would say that... Uh, 
even, you know, if you end up in a game where you're fortunate and it doesn't happen, players need to be aware of the likelihood, you know, of death, especially in the early levels. It is easy to keel over and die in the first five levels. It's very true. Just like a bad run of the dice can be a death sentence and everybody mm. needs to know like if you're gonna if you're gonna ease up on it if you're going to play hardball whatever you're gonna do as regards character death make sure everyone in the party players are well aware of what the odds of death are like yes pretty much in all cases except you know the most gentle make sure they've got a backup character ready to go mm-hmm. make sure that they uh are okay with the fact that this is a major part of the storytelling for Dragon Age. Yes. And People die in Dragon Age plenty. It can also be a really important turning point in the story. It's true. Character death, I've, I've met a couple folks who do think that character death is really good for storytelling. Because mm-hmm. it makes, it makes uh, that finality of death makes everything that that character did all that more impactful and important. Mm-hmm. So it's and, and, and I mean a noble sacrifice. That's that's always super cool. Who doesn't love Who doesn't love a good a good a good sacrifice like taking down the archdemon and uh, but not doing the dark ritual with Morrigan means that your warden in Origins makes the ultimate sacrifice I, to save I the survived blight. And I didn't do the dark ritual. Well, you didn't do it. I made Alistair. <laughs> you made Alistair do it. <laughs> you know Just I love saying. you. You know I love you, right? Oh man, where's this going? That is pretty much exactly the conversation you get to have. I think it's great. But, uh, yeah, I think death is a really important part of this game. Uh, making shrines to fallen heroes, I think that depends entirely on the story. But as players, you know, you can always have a build, like a board or something that you mm-hmm. put fallen character yeah. sheets on. Laminate them and hang them on the walls or something. Yeah. Uh, so I think cremate him, I guess, if you exactly really want right. to. I think Will, uh, one of our friends, Will, wanted to give one of his dead characters a Viking funeral. That doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very Will, but like burning the character sheet, or I don't know, if you really want to get in, get big in it, like <laughs> buy a whole boat, put no, the character fold, sheet in the boat. No, and, fold the boat, the, the, the character, character sheet yeah. into a boat, and then set the boat on fire and mm. send it down the river. There we go. You're welcome, everybody. There we go. Just, not, just be careful where where that boat's going. Safety no, first. Maybe not a forested area. Well, this this went places. <laughs> Your character does not need to take the forest with him. Um, well, hopefully that answered some of your question. <laughs> yes. Got a little strange. Got a little strange. That's okay. It usually can, does. Care, yes. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. Again, for the question. Um, next question comes from Mason Kirksey, uh, someone who has asked a question here before, who sent us an email. Um, actually, he sent us an email very recently. I jumped this one in real quick, but I was very glad to have it, because let me bring something up. Mason, your question was, uh, it feels as though thought was given to crafting in Dragon Age, but no system was designed. Other than poisons, grenades, and traps, there doesn't appear to be much in terms of crafting in the system. Am I wrong? If not, how would you implement a more complete crafting element in the game? Well, you know, we have talked about this before. Yes. Um, the Dragon Age game does have whole talents based around making things. Because you can also make runes. You can make runes. You can make poisons. Uh, with poison making, you can also make grenades. And uh, traps. Trap making, you make traps. Uh, but there's not, like, uh, an herbalism. There's none. For nothing. And, and I think for crafting things like weapons and armor, you just make a test and... Maybe spend what some time test, and though? a little bit of money. 
Um, there's uh, strength smithing, um, and then there's dexterity. They have one is just strength called... smithing actually a thing. It is, yeah. Oh. Uh, there's also dex. There's there, there's kind of a catch-all like dexterity crafting. Okay. Just like just for crafting stuff, and uh, I believe on which page is it? No, of course I found the wrong one. Oh, you always do. Found the worst one, worst page. But uh, let's see. We got the list of focuses. Dexterity. Dexterity has just got crafting, making items with manual skills like woodworking, sculpting, glass blowing, etc. Um, but they pointed out the on uh, 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 a little optional spot on page fifty eight for trade focuses that Dragon Age is focusing on heroics and you know fighting the blight, political intrigue, whatnot. So it's not a game of everyday life. It's not about characters settling down and uh, performing a job, yeah. but more using the weapons than creating them. Correct. But they do uh, offer the option of working with your GM to make more specific focuses, perhaps for a trade. Because the strength smithing focus is a bit broad. It just kind of means that you can smith just about anything, technically, which is not entirely accurate to how smithing should, blacksmithing should work. Um, because people might, you know, because there's differences between, like, crafting armor and crafting swords. So the trade focuses uh, let you work with your GM to decide, okay... Um, if I want to be a gold, if I want to be like a person who works with golds and silver, gold and silvers to make jewelry, is that a dexterity? Is that a cunning? Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Basically, lets you sort of free construct. Yes. With your GM, so, a way to craft. Correct. That said. That said, there's not really any solid way to do that. No one really. It's like there's no like no concrete a money way to cost. Do it there's no understanding of how an expenditure of time. It's probably more left up to the GM like and what they need for their campaign. Mm -hmm. So some GMs like who just want to get right back to the action might have you just make one roll. Uh, or GMs who want to play down play up the downtime and the fact that your characters have normal have some normal lives that they have to go back to even after they're done adventuring might make it like advanced tests that uh, and you'll have to make the test to see how long it takes you to like fill out an order so you can make some money um but i thought let's see as i was thinking about this question i remembered re uh because uh, recently i've been going through the blue rose core book and blue rose does actually have rules for crafting masterwork items blue uh, rose is very exciting blue rose is super cool you should definitely check it out uh if you have access to the blue rose book you can get it in pdf as if you can't get a physical copy uh, the, the crafting rules for masterwork items are on pages 323 and 324, and they're definitely worth a look. Mm -hmm. Oh, 323 and 324 of the Blue Rose book, of course. Yeah. I think I just said that. Not, but, not in this one. Not in this one. But to give the skinny on it, basically you roll an advanced test to create superior gear. And um, it's assumed that you kind of just, that you buy a piece of, that you can like buy a piece of gear and then make this, make these tests to improve on them. Uh, you can simply add a single bonus, like well-balanced or deadly, or you can choose to apply multiple bonuses at once with one advanced test. Uh, one advanced test. Adding more bonuses to the gear makes the, t uh, the test more difficult and the success threshold higher, which means it'll take longer to make. Mm -hmm. Failing three tests means that uh, three uh, to test three times means that you ruin the materials and you have to start over from the beginning. Uh, That's you, pretty cool. Yeah, you can add bonuses to thing to attack or damage rolls, uh, cheapen stunt points when you perform it with the gear or grant bonuses to ability tests that are rolled while using it. Uh, you can also, and then they also mentioned that you can gain bonuses on the advanced test if you have good materials to work with, if you have people helping you, if you've got tools that are right for the job, or you've got a nice quiet place to work. Uh, and of course, 
conversely, if you if you're like on the road, you don't have so you don't have a place to sit down a lot. Your friends don't help you. Maybe the tools that you brought aren't super great. Um, and you're trying and you're right and you're trying to rush it. You might get some penalties, but at the same time, you could still try and do that. Maybe for like a long journey that the PCs are doing. Uh, then the tests that they list in the Blue Rose book are not easy. Target number 15 advanced test with a success threshold of 15 being the easiest one I could find. Um, so it's not simple undertakings. Masterworks and in Blue Rose and Dragon Age are meant to be special. They're meant to be very meant to be things that are earned rather than just purchased. Mm-hmm. If you're going to create it, they want you to take right. the time and the effort yeah, to do it. They want you to work for it. And I, th- I mean, for what it's worth, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. So... I hope that helps. That's one of the one of the systems I saw, and I thought I think it works perfectly well. It's got all the me- mechanics that we already understand, and um, exactly how much money you had to spend on it was not really was not really mentioned. But let's assume that the GM probably ha- can probably whip up a number for you, maybe like just the price of the original item, mm-hmm. and if you want to get special materials, it just like it adds a little extra money to it. Talk to your GM. Talk to your GM. So, I hope that answers your question. Thank you for asking it. Thank you. Uh, if you, listening out there, have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, you can send a message to podcast at gmail.com, send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Puff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cot or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's us. That is us. Oh, excellent questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an excellent submission uh, to our next p- segment, so we should open up our books to those distant verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but... <sighs> Welcome to the distant verses. From the great Andy Klosky of Blackfall hmm. Press... Level 6 Dragon Age Pregens! Yay! We love Pregens! Pregens are great. Uh, Andy has taken the time to create nine pre-generated characters, three for each class. And they are cool. Yeah, we've taken a look at them, and we like them. They're a lot of fun. There's some really cool character concepts, and the build, Hensi, and the builds are fun. Yeah, I think the builds are creative. I think that the uh, character concept's really cool. Got a uh, Dwarven Spirit Warrior in yeah, there. Yeah, that one's super with, cool. With uh, background reasons for it. And yeah. I thought that was super nifty. I, I secretly, I, I think it's his dad's spirit that's following him around. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Dwarven, Dwarven ghosts are a thing, you know? He could, maybe, maybe he's a spirit warrior because he's being haunted. I don't know. He That'd did. be cool. He did uh, touch that. Uh, you'll just have to read it. <laughs> you'll have it's to read it. It's super cool. We'll be placing these on our blog for your viewing pleasure. And Andy, of course, has given permission to everybody to download them and use them as you see fit. So, we hope that you like them. We like them. We certainly do. Yes. Uh, you can, of course, find these and all other submissions to, uh, and more are archived on our resources for your game page on our blog, one is the thing is podcast.wordpress.com. If you'd like to share your own submissions, uh, your own creations for Dragon Age RPG content. Uh, you can send a message to wondersofthatispodcast at gmail.com, send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, SoundCloud account, send a personal message to Cut the Protector or Healer Pop on the Green Running forums, send a message to Cut or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's us. You know, you can breathe. I that can. is allowed. I don't have You could take to. the time to breathe. That's not how professionals do You sound it. like you're selling a car. <laughs> One of those radio commercial dudes. 
Some some restrictions just, may apply. Some restrictions may apply. Which also applies to asking questions and sending things in. We're not going to show weird stuff. Or stuff that's not Dragon Age related, please. You're adding some very strange things. <laughs> I mean... And if I say it really fast, then, and then you know, it goes by so quickly that we can just do it. Oh, okay. I, uh... No weird stuff. <laughs> not like we're weird or anything. Not like we're weird, but, you know... There's weirdness compatibility ratios. Yeah, you have to look in the fine print for the weirdness compatibility ratios. Anyway, we of course have uh, a very high class topic to talk about, uh, and we've have to, we had to get permission to talk about these very sensitive issues from some very important people. Did we? No, but we didn't. But um, we might want to do it quick before uh, some agents powered by blood magic get in, because we've got a main topic to talk about. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So you're a Tevinter Altus. Yeah. Turn to pages 29 and 30 of the core rulebook, and you can see this background for yourself. But we're going to be telling, giving you the skinny on it. We're not going to take a look really much at the mechanics. There's not too much that's particularly exciting. It's, because you bought the book. Because you bought the book, of course. You know what's in it. You know what the background does. So we're just going to move on to uh, making sure that their Tevinter Altus really pops. So, what is a Tevinter Altus? Uh, Altus is one of the four major echelons of Tevinter society, with Altus being on the top and slaves being on the bottom. If you are an Altus, it means you are a noble of Tevinter, born into a family of mages who can trace their lineage back to the dreamers of antiquity, or so they claim at least. Mm -hmm. Your family will certainly be very adamant that they can trace their lineage back <laughs> trace their lineage back to the dreamers of old Tevinter. And if they really can't, they will make things up until they can. Mm -hmm. And if you ask too many questions, they'll probably kill you, so we should move on. Yeah. Um, you are the upper crust of the, of the Tevinter Imperium, mage nobles who steer the course of one of the most powerful nations in Thetis. Beneath you are the Latins, the Soparati, and the Slaves. Latins are mages like you, but they're not of a noble house. Uh, Soparati are Tevinter citizens, but not mages. And slaves are, well, slaves. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. Uh, because Tevinter only recognizes those of power in magic, you are a mage. You don't get for this background. You don't get the choice. You yep. are you are a mage, and you'd because, best be a good one right. if you would like to be a mage for long Ooh. or a living being for long. It's true. Tevinter is not the kindest place to live. You even if you're a fancy mage. Even if you are a fancy mage, sometimes especially because you're a fancy mage, mm -hmm. uh, you belong to a noble house of Tevinter and likely carry many responsibilities to your family. It is likely that foreigners will assume you are a magister, a common misconception about Tevinter society. Most people outside of Tevinter just kind of assume that if you are a mage, they just call you Magister. Which you know very much, and you know very much is a lie. You mm -hmm. wish it was that easy. You've got a difficult position in life. Well, in certain Compared ways. to... <laughs> Correct. Uh, well. You're right. You have a difficult position in life because your political power and very real magical powers grant you respect and authority, but you, do have, you have responsibilities to your house and your country. There are likely people within your social strata who plot and scheme against you, and people from outside of Tevinter see you as everything wrong in Thetis. 
Uh, your mm. friends are likely few and precious, and it is quite possible that you own living people as property. Um, point of interest, if that is going to be a part of your character, session zero, make sure everybody's comfortable please, with that. Please, please do. This is it's... some pretty dark stuff. Heads up. Uh, you have much to gain by becoming a full-fledged magister and everything to lose as your peers plot your downfall. The only yep. thing certain about your life is that it's going to be complicated. Well, and, uh, I mean, there's just, the complications are really endless. There's making sure that you maintain enough political power and enough magical power to be a force of Relevance. force to be re- reckoned with, but not one that is so powerful that people feel the need to cut you down. Uh-huh. And chances are you you don't get to make a whole lot of choices about who you're going to marry if you are, say, a scion of a family. That's true. Your marriages are probably going to be prearranged uh, with with other families. That and are... definitely with someone of the opposite sex. Yes. Whether you want it or not. Because it... you need kids. Yep. Not that necessarily that being let's see that being of a different uh, let's see a bit different gender identity is necessarily or a sexual or a different sexuality is necessarily a bad thing. Just if they want the, you to make children, they want you to make Mage children. children. Correct. Very magical Mage children. children. Have to be magic children. You got to have magic children. If you got to do that, if you got to do that other stuff, you know you can do that. You can do that as much as you like, but you got a responsibility to your family. So get to it. Uh, few would come out and say it, uh, but it has been long been a po- uh, part of Betwinterventer belief that uh, that magical power is bestowed by a greater power. Exactly who that greater power is has changed with the times, from the old gods to the maker, but magic is simply seen as making you more than a mere human. This, and the idea of the Archon of Devinter ruling by divine right, have only cemented the idea that magic makes you greater, and as an Altus... You are obviously the best. Mm-hmm. You are the best there is. Mm-hmm. And everyone will tell you that, and no one will let you. No one will allow you to let anyone say less. Yep. So, uh, who, for references, who else has this background in the Dragon Age in the Dragon Age universe? Well, the first one that obviously come to mind is practically the poster child for this background: Dorian Pavis. We love Dorian. We adore Dorian. Didn't you romance Dorian? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My, el- my elf Sinclair was all over that. Dorian's great. Ooh. Fit. Let's see. Fit. Nice looking mustache and witty. How's it going? Let's, <laughs> let's talk about stuff. Moving hmm. on. I can do magic, too. How'd you get this gold behind your ear? So, oh, before we get into the cheap magic tricks. <laughs> um... Other people who had the background, uh, Durinius, Ma- Fenris's master from Dragon Age 2, is a very powerful magister from the Imperium. Uh, Aurelian Titus. Titus. Titus? Titus? Probably Titus. T- Titus. You're probably right. Aurelian Titus from the Dragon Age comic books, uh, specifically the Silent Grove, Those Who Speak, and Until We Sleep series, uh, is definitely a magister. He's also the main antagonist of those, of those series. Oh, good. Not a spoiler. Of course. Um... On the flip side of that, Maveris Tilani is a magister as well, and she's so cool. One of the allies, and I think used to be married to one of Varric's cousins. Oh. If I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately, I think he passed. Oh. Probably because of the machinations of a magister. That, that's usually, it's a, it's a pretty common obit. It's usually how it goes. Uh, Maveris Tilani, I'm hoping, may be showing up in some future games. She's been alluded to. She's mm-hmm. been mentioned. Um, Garion and Felix Alexius from Dragon Age Inquisition are both Altus, of course, because they are, one of them is a Magister, and the other one is the heir to the Magister, so what else could they be, right? Mm-hmm. 
the Magisters, uh, and of course, the Magisters who opened the Fade and stained the Golden City black with their sin and became the first Darkspawn also probably had a background very similar to this one. And that is going to be something that will color the perceptions of the rest of Thetis about you. Uh-huh. And not in a good way. Oh, yeah. They hear Magister. The first thing they're going to think of is that chant of light and how the evil Magisters of the Deventer Imperium tore open the veil and stained this golden city black as soot with their sin. The Maker cast them out as Darkspawn and turned away from him from his creation. All because of you specifically! The person I'm talking to right in front of me. But how... How could anyone be descended from those particular magisters if, if they were Darkspawn? Maybe they had Ew. kids before they became Darkspawn. Probably. Anyway. Uh, so, speaking of uh, having families, uh, you come from a house. If you're a Deventer Altus, it means you're a noble. And like most other nations of Thetis, nobles are usually rather regulated to families or houses. You've got, you know, and just like any other nation, there's an upper class... Um, they have coats of arms, dirty secrets, and the duty of their members to grow the house for generations to come. Uh, members of your house are mostly going to be mages, as they can't remain altus if they're not capable of spellcasting. At least to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would mean that you likely grew up almost exclusively around other mages. Uh, your house likely has something they specialize in, like a specific kind of magical study, a business, or perhaps they're simply important because the Archon elevated their family to a noble house at some point. Or even selected one of their members to become a become a, a magister in the magisterium, uh, and of mm-hmm. course that catapults you near to the top of Sinister society, and then folks have to start figuring who's going to be the heir to that seat in the magisterium. Mm-hmm. Bring on the fun. Uh, be uh, bringing and see being in a noble house means you likely wanted for nothing growing up. Uh, Tevinter is as decadent in Orle, and perhaps more so. They have you know, in some ways. In some ways. They have, because they've got magic, they've got laser shows. I saw it in one of the comic books. It's super cool. One of the, uh, one of the magisters that gets in, uh, assassinated uh, gets assassinated at, uh, at a magical laser show. That is pretty it's cool. Super cool. What a way to go. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the characters poisoned her. Well. It was good. You know. If you're going to die, die at a laser and, show, I guess. And you're not going to fight. You're not going to kill a magister just by pulling a sword on them. They're going to blow you up. That's true. But, I mean, any sort of decadence you can think of in Orlay, they probably got into Vinter as well, with a magical flair. Because magic is all over the Imperium, and that's the thing you do in, in the Imperium, is you, you use magic for stuff to look mm-hmm. cool. Um, you would have gotten a good education through the Tevinter Circle of Magi, which operates more as a university than a captive college, like the Circles of the South. But... You know, if you are if you're born a mage, uh, just like most other places, you do go to the circle of magi. Um, I think unless you're a slave. Um, I th- although, if you are part of the Liberati class of slaves, you can join the circle of magi if you have magical talent. Mm-hmm. But uh... so, if you being an altus because you are a mage, you yeah. you went to the circle of magi. There are circles of magi in Tevinter, of course. You attended. You at attended. Least. You were you not. Weren't... You were not forced to go there. You were not dragged there by Templars like you would in the mm-hmm. south. You were given the opportunity to attend. Oh yes, to gain a fantastic education at a university of, of high-thinking minds. Um, so that's a little bit. So your life is probably fairly wanting for little. 
you were very into you grew up in a very in a somewhat in a privileged environment mm -hmm. how powerful your house is of course should, is something that you should work out with your gm probably not too powerful because it gives you probably give you a couple of, a bit of sway that would make some challenges in the game a bit too simple. Well, or if it is a powerful house, maybe you're not that well in with the family well, right now. Maybe you're not. Or maybe you are. All of those can, all of those do carry ups and downs to them. Yes. But uh, exactly the relative power of your house should also be something that you talk to your GM about because that could shape a lot of your campaign and a lot of your character. Mm-hmm. So, all these houses come from the Tevinter Imperium. It would, we would be remiss to not at least touch on a little bit of the Tevinter uh, Imperium's history and to get you psyched about it, because Tevinter's kind of cool. I mean, it's full of some not very nice people that do some pretty horrible things and have very little concern for the uh, well-being of, well of others. Um, but every corner of Thetis has the mark of the Imperium on it in one form or another. Once Tevinter ruled over all of the known world, they began as warring city-states that eventually united under the Tevinter tribes, becoming one people. Uh, though most in other nations would be loath to admit it, most of Thedosian history is built by the Imperium. Uh, they were the first major human civilization of Thedas. The Imperial Highway extended from Mithrathis all the way to Ostagar. They subjugated the elves, and they learned how to access the Fade by using Lyrium from them. Mostly probably because they forced, they extorted, they, they forced them to give that knowledge. Jerks being jerks. Um, Thalcyon brought knowledge of the old gods to the Imperium, and with Dumat's teachings, shared the knowledge of blood magic. Great. Uh, Durinius befriended Endrin Stonehammer and allied the Dwarven kingdoms with Tevinter, a, a bond that continues to this day. The city of Minrathus is still considered the largest city in Thetis, although there are plenty of Southerners who will contest this. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will point to Cumberland, and a lot of staunch religions will point to Valrael. Uh, Minrathus, however, has stood against a blight, the Kunari Wars, an exalted march from the south, and even Andraste herself, and has never been taken before. The ruins of ancient Tevinter structures can be found just about anywhere. The re reminders of the fact that Tevinter ruled Thetis are, you can find them just about anywhere, mm -hmm. and use them for cool dungeons. <laughs> hint, hint. Especially if all those magical wards that those Tevinter mages put up a long time ago aren't working quite so well. Yeah, yeah, and if you've got a whole bunch of uh, maybe smarmy, know-it-all, Tevinter uh, <laughs> Altus PCs. Maybe they need to go recollect some lost legacy of their family. Hey. But maybe that family's legacy was demon-binding. And by breaking open the wards, you let the demons out. You anyway, know, we that's have, an adventure seed. We, we should have put that in the I adventure said, We have adventure parts. seeds coming up. we got adventure seeds coming up, but right now... Um, the concept of the Circle of Magi actually originated in Tevinter. It was the center of mage culture in each city of the Imperium. The Circle of Magi was there long before the Chantry existed. Um, had Hesarian not slain Andraste, uh, it is quite likely she never would have become popular enough to begin an organized religion behind her. Her martyrdom at the hands of the Tevinters catapulted her and the Maker into the public eye, which paved the way for Cordelis Dracon to establish the Chantry a century later. Uh, Tevinter Magisters, of course, were the ones who used an enormous amount of blood magic uh, and a ritual to rip open the veil and physically walk into the Fade, and in doing so, essentially inflicting the blight on Thetis. Oops. Tevinter has done so much to shape Thetis, and you can see, and despite the fact that it is easily the most demonized of the nation nations of all Thetis, they have done much to create what is modern Thetis today. Mm -hmm. A lot of the modern language is a lot. Of, even the modern language might might be you know like an offshoot of Tavine. That wouldn't surprise me. Would not be surprised. Um, 
This is the legacy that you would have been taught as an Altus, and one that your peers, and probably you, are very proud of, and in a lot of cases, very justified to be proud of. Tevinter has done a lot to make Thetis exactly what it is today. Not to say that all of those things that they did were good. Many of them really weren't. Mm-hmm. But, to ignore, but... You for know, better or worse, for better or worse, the way things have gone. It's true. For better or worse, Tevinter has made Thetis. And will, you know, all things considered, likely still have fingers in any future pies. It's true. Um, it is also worth remembering that mages are not necessarily more common in the Imperium, just that they hold enough power that important people from, from, people from Tevinter are almost always mages. Most Tevinter citizens aren't mages, and they have lives that might seem similar to someone from anywhere else. Uh, even mages need food for farm farms or clothes from tailors. Uh, but simply being a mage makes you higher status than the others in the Imperium, and at least making you Layton. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you being a step above Layton, you might as well be superhuman. Yep. Especially to a lot of the normal folks who are walking, or normal like tailors who are walking around, they see uh, a Tevinter Altus walking around. They know not only do you have a lot of real political power, you can probably also boil their blood. Yep. Which means that, especially in the Imperium, you are probably quite feared, and rightly so. Uh, now, Tevinters worship the Maker, like anyone else. Um, anyone else? Most other people, but there are a key, few key differences. Uh, <laughs> not everybody worships the Maker. No, not like, not like the Elves, and not like the Dwarves, but, you know, like all those other humans that are scurrying around, all the Shemlin. Humans. Uh, the Imperial Chantry has no connection to the Chantry based in Orlais, and has mm-hmm. its own divine, who is always a man. Uh, the well, chan- the connection is animosity. Correct. That the, is connection the connection is spite. The Chantry stands almost as a mirror opposite to the one in Orlais, uh, with most of the upper ranks in the Imperial Chantry not only being mages, but being mostly male, uh, as opposed to the Orlesian Chantry, which, which is where almost entirely the divine female. is always a woman, and you can only be a revered mother. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be like a chant. You can be a scholar for the chantry, like Brother Genitivi, but that's pretty much as far as a man gets. Uh, Genitivi's the best. I love Genitivi. Uh, but that's pretty much as far as a man can get in the chantry, just because you know they revere uh, uh, Andraste was the prophet, so they want to. Um, uh, they want and Mafaroth, the man, was the betrayer. So they want to. So they kind of emulate that. But in Tevinter, uh, you know, mages want power. So, naturally, of course, that's how it ended up. Um, and, of course, the Imperial Chantry interprets Hesarian's, uh, let's see, uh, interprets Hesarian's quick death for Andras, to Andraste uh, by put, after putting her on her pyre and seeing the suffering it was causing her and decided to pierce her, pierce her heart and kill her instantly with his blade. Uh, of course, then they interpret that he immediately that he converted to the Maker. And a lot of other folks, and even a lot of folks in the South see it that way, um, after seeing the error of his ways, mm-hmm. uh, the imperial and, say, and of course, I believe even right after that, let's say, uh, or very soon after that, um, Androstianism took uh, took a bit of root into Vinter, even though uh, the cult of the Maker was still relatively small, and the the Chantry as an organized religion hadn't really been established yet. But uh, the Imperial Chantry also has a very unique interpretation of the famous line from the Canticle of Transfigurations: "Magic is meant to serve man and never to rule over him." is understood by Tevinters that magic is meant to be used for the good of people and not for evil purpose. You could probably imagine how this turns out. I am sure that this line is uh, stretched to the most gossamer-thin 
possibility of oh, interpretation. Man. Oh, man. Um, and the e- magic's <laughs> not ruling over you. The hmm. mages are. The mages are in control of the magic and using them for a powerful society. So magic is serving. This is good for all of you, me. <laughs> you, you and especially me. Mostly me. Especially me. Uh, even the Templars of Tevinter hold some very important differences. They do not have the powers that most people in the South associate with Templars. Templars in the Imperial Chantry never learn maiden magic canceling abilities. Because, you know, having people that can cancel magic in a place that's in a place that's a majocracy would be problematic for a lot of folks who want to have a lot of power. And they like to have a lot of power. And if there's people who can just snap their fingers and take that power away, that doesn't work well for them. So uh templars don't have those powers and are politically much weaker than they are in the south mm-hmm. uh oftentimes let's see but they still swear service to the maker they vow to hunt down maleficarum but they don't really hold any power in tevinter they they can uh, oftentimes the templars will be called to deal with blood mages in tevinter but conveniently the more powerful and well-connected mages seem to be able to simply point them in the direction of their rivals who they can prove have blood magic yeah of course and, of course, Tevinter is built upon the black the backs of slaves. Even though Tevinter looked down their nose at them, they truly need them for labor and trade. Uh, much of the Tevinter economy is based around the slave trade. Uh, as, an, as an Altus, it is nearly certain that your family owns slaves. Whether or not you personally own any slaves is up to you and your GM. This should, is a story that should be told with great care. Mm-hmm. Slavery is still a very dark part of Earth's history. So, and present day. And present day's history. Uh, Not history. Still a thing. Right. Still a problem. Yeah, I got you. So please be sensitive to anyone who is uncomfortable with this topic at your table. And if if, if it's not going to go, then just don't do it. Yep, just if it's something that other other people are going to be uncomfortable with, just leave it in the back of your... You know, don't even even deal with it. Don't even deal with it. Just... It's... it's, You can still be a fancy pants jerk bag mage without bringing that up. Yes. Now, um, talking about the upper crust of Tevinter would not be complete without talking about the Magisterium. The dreaded Magister as a member of the Magisterium, the governing body of Tevinter. The word Magister conjures many images in the fanciful minds of foreigners, most of them false, uh, but the fear that the word commands is usually quite acceptable to the Magisters themselves. The Magisterium, headed by the Archon themselves, is the upper house of the Imperial Senate and makes the laws that Tevinters live by, this is the top of Tevinter. Even the Altus know to bow before the Magisters of the Imperium. Mm-hmm. Uh, seats in the Magisterium are gained in the following ways. A magister, uh, one Magister is selected from each of the seven circles of Magi in Tevinter from the ranks of the senior enchanters, but the seat cannot be given to the first enchanter of a circle as they run the circle. Uh, all Grand Clerics of the Imperial Chantry have a seat. Seats can be inherited by the heir, by the heir of a Magister, uh, and the Archon may grant the seat, uh, grant a seat to anyone at any time, and their family continues to hold that seat, passing it down through heirs. This makes it a good idea to get on the Archon's good side. Definitely. Uh, this can, this getting onto the Magisterium's, uh, the Magister, uh, getting a seat in the Magisterium, is a very common goal, probably for people who have who have the the Altus background, as it's in, especially in your kind social of, circles, it's the thing to be. Yeah, it's kind of the goal to have. It's true. Um, it is a difficult goal to obtain, however, because there are dozens of other Tevinters who are peers who are all vying for seats and the power that they bring. Uh, it could be an excellent goal for a PC to have. 
Um, this would probably have to be a long-term goal, uh, mm-hmm. unless your campaign relies on the PCs being a magister, in which case it can be a short-term goal. And then you could deal with the problems that come with being a magister oh, yeah. and having everybody in the world want your seat. Oh yeah, having to hold that seat, having to find a good heir, and having the responsibilities to your country, and uh, try just... not to get assassinated. Uh, try not to get the assassinated. Blood magic. All right. It's a tough job. There was an assassination attempt at the party. Someone attempted to assassinate the divine. No, he was assassinating somebody. Uh, technically, you don't have to be a ma- I'd say, oh, a seat on the magisterium should be a hard-fought battle, uh, requiring cunning, sacrifice, and an openness to more underhanded tactics like blood magic. Because not that you would ever officially condone never, blood magic. But you say, technically, you don't even have to be a mage to be a magister. It just so happens that mages fill their ranks. Uh, this is likely because of the widely accepted superiority of mages in the Imperium. Uh, making a non-mage magister would be admitting that they are equal to mages, and we can't we can't do that. I we can't give the lower I didn't, classes. I didn't ideas. actually know you didn't have to be a mage to be a magister. No, you don't have to be. It just so happens you're just that, going to be right. It just so happens that people who get the seats just tend to be mages because the archon gets to either decide who they are. They come from the chan. They come from the chantry, which is run by mages. They come from the circle, which is run by mages. You know, it's. I imagine the, anyone. I right. imagine any non-mage that somehow gets a seat doesn't get to keep it for or long, or probably doesn't have much of a say in anything. Yeah. So even once, even if you did get there, it probably wouldn't do you much good because no one's gonna listen to you. Because well, mean, and someone's gonna want that seat so they can actually talk about stuff. It's true. Someone could use you as a puppet, though. Uh huh. They can't uh, accuse you of blood magic, though. They definitely cannot accuse you of blood magic, and it. <laughs> it, it <laughs> Nice segue, by the uh, way. You're welcome. Speaking uh, of... Speaking of, we should definitely talk about blood magic, because that is probably a thing that you might have to do at some point, being a Deventer Altus. Blood magic on the surface is illegal in the Imperium. Technically, by the books, it is illegal to be to be performing blood magic. The Imperial Templars are sent to hunt down suspected Maleficarum like they would be in any other nation. Behind closed doors, however, everybody in Deventer needs more power. With powerful and intelligent mages surrounding you and plotting against you at all hours, you will always need a bit more power. Uh, Using blood magic in the Imperium is a risky business, as using it too openly means that you are taken by the Templars, uh, and not using it enough could mean that you are not as prepared as your your rivals. Mm -hmm. In this way, it's kind of like a a literally much bloodier version of Orlais Grand Game. Mm -hmm. It's true. Because... uh, it's not about how much blood magic you do. It's about how much blood magic you can get away with mm-hmm. without getting With caught. enough plausible deniability that you know. Of course. You're just a very talented mage, of course. You're just gifted. As long as you aren't being accused of being Maleficarum, the ends usually justify the means, especially here. And uh, uh, since you will probably eventually be accused of being Maleficarum if you get too good... Make sure you're hiding your evidence, assuming you, if you had any, if there were any evidence of any sort of wrongdoing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this can also have the additional effect of requiring those who wouldn't otherwise use blood magic to see no alternative when their enemies have no qualms about bleeding out the kitchen staff to strike at you. That's true. Some people in Tevinter are jerks like that. Gotta make some tough calls. Mm-hmm. So, uh, before we leave, we've got a couple of adventure seeds that we can leave you with uh, as, po- as a little bit of inspiration to get you going. Mm-hmm. Um, a member of, the, of an Altus family has finally reached adult age, but they never exhibited magical ability despite careful breeding and researched family trees. 
Whether or not they will later is of little consequence, as their family members are contemplating how to be rid of their sleeper offspring without letting other families know that they did not produce a mage child. Uh, this child may con see, they may contact the PCs for help removing the child, or the child may come to them hoping to escape from Tevinter. Better yet, one of the PCs could be this unfortunate child. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a difficult one, because chances are that some at some point before reaching adulthood, other Tevinter Altus have known that this child exists. Mm -hmm. And have been, you know, aware that this child is, you know, well, maybe a little bit of a late bloomer. At this point. Isn't that strange? Just, I mean, I suppose we all bloom in our own time, but mm -hmm. uh, it certainly seems to be taking a while. And, and that uh, is the point when your family is like, get them out of here. Get rid of them. They're making us look bad. Yep, that's when uh, that family might start uh, planning for an accident or something. Mm -hmm. so. You know, Darkspawn attack. Bandits. You just can't do anything about it. Darkspawn you know? bandits. Darkspawn bandits. They're the worst. <laughs> They're the worst. Not only did they kill you, they take all the stuff. Uh, a peer of one of the Altus PCs, or one of the or one of the Altus PCs, desires to be free of blood magic and the dangers and pain it brings. Nevertheless, they catch wind that a rival Altus is using blood magic rituals to enhance their power to best the other in a duel. The PCs are tasked by their friend to learn exactly what the rival is up to and if it can be countered or nullified, preferably without more blood magic. Almost, yeah, it's probably going to... You're probably going to need more blood magic. But how patriotic does that sound? Somebody who wants to be a good who wants to be a good per, a good person in Tevinter and not use and not be a Maleficar. Very so, patriotic. Yep. Very normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a noble house, either one the PCs work for or are part of, deals heavily in the slave trade, and has tasked slavers to capture those from other nations who won't be missed. The PCs come across slaver bands in this house's employ and may thwart them, making an enemy of the house. The house may harry the steps of the PCs, sending others to sending agents to kidnap them or simply kill them. Worse, the PCs may find this house has a head who is nearing the seat a seat in the magisterium, which could only increase their reach and political power. The PCs should decide if they want to strike against the magister quickly and decisively, or simply try to try to avoid him and go beneath their notice. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. Session zero, this one. Session zero, this one, please. But uh, that could definitely be something that would happen. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And would work well if you have PCs who are from other PCs who are from different, like, valuable minority groups mm -hmm. who possibly have loved ones or even maybe even themselves who could be seen as valuable uh, commodities mm -hmm. by jerkbag to vendors. Get them. So, what to do? What to there's do? A lot I to suppose... There's a lot to love to hate about Devinder. Yes. And there are many things that are just genuinely cool. It's true. Their buildings were built by magic, and several of the buildings are actually still being held up by magic, to the point where if those buildings are neglected and start to crumble, they actually fall in slow motion, or just kind of hang in the air, in the air forever. That is pretty cool. Uh, there are still golems that were constructed by the, dwar by the old dwarven kingdoms that guard the gates to Minrathis. And uh, Minrathus actually, and Minrathus supposedly has a bridge that can be destroyed in the event of a siege in order to keep it safe, um, because I think it sits like on a, it sits on a little rocky island out, uh, let's see, out uh, off the coast, and has enough food in its stores to keep the city running for a year in case there's a siege. That's pretty neat. There are and Minrathus itself contains a lot of the wonders of the world, like the proving grounds and uh, the. Uh, um, 
the embassy, the embassy for the to to Orzammar is also considered to be one of the one of the wonders of the world because it's it's subterranean, it means that people dwarves who live there get to keep their caste. Hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that I cannot get any more magical or more noble than I am right now. Mm-hmm. This is the fanciest my pants get. This is the fanciest my magic pants get. No. Nope. Magic dancing trousers. Probably that, a thing. Probably a thing. Probably not a very popular thing in Tevinder. Well, no, Don't I mean you? they help you dance. Gotta do those masterwork crafting for the pants. Make an organic magic item. Plus Magical one to dancing commu- pants. Plus one to communication performance for dancing checks. There you go. Heck yes. Get those crafting rules online. Get to it. All right. So thank you all, of course, for joining us in the Wonders of the Days podcast. The, this is this was a good one to talk about. And of course, mm-hmm. if you have questions, if you want to send anything in, uh, you could rewind the episode so I don't have to lose my breath talking about it all again. Uh, but you, you could also just you know do it again and breathe next time. But well, <laughs> you guys know where to go by now. Yes, send it to our email, any of our social media, or you can send it to us on Facebook, Green... Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, mm-hmm. or those forum dealies. Mm-hmm. Green Running forums and the D Twenty Radio forums. That's uh, us. If, yeah, that's us. If you got anything, please send it in. We love we love sharing it. Uh, but of course. Let's see, we should be off. This is Ren, wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. And this is Jessica, wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thanks so much for listening to the Wonders of the Thinnest podcast. We'll catch you next time. Have a good evening, or morning, or whatever it is you're having. <laughs>